shell chips With mushy peas and those battery bits That some call bits and some call scraps We sat in the car and let them on our laps Mary had a cod, Joan had a place And my pickled onion had a very tart taste It made him wince and screw up his face I loved it though, John, that onion was ace Good, I'm glad to hear it, Kevin We shared a giant bottle of pop And we drank it down till the very last drop The meal we agreed had been a delight Wiped our greasy fingers on a handy wine. There you go, John. Thanks, love. Oh, can I have another one, please, Mary? Yep, all right, Ken. Are you all right there, Joan? Oh, yes, thank you. And when we'd finished our fish and chips, Joan lit up one of her filter tips. Once oh, upon a time in the kingdom of Bovina lived a man and a woman who begot a man-child unknown to all. He was as enchanted as the electricity that is making this radio drama real. Welcome to the Evening Tickler with Steve, who has the bloat tonight, uh, Julian, who's looking resplendent, and our guest, Dan, who is that child, that enchanted child of parents that knew that he would charge up the community of Bovina after walking a very broken line, born here, wandered off, came back, and is now redefining Bovina in ways that, Dan, how are you doing that? How'd you do that, man? What kind of magic does you put down on this stuff, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us, man. I don't know what voice that is. Well, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Walk that broken line. You know, I, I wasn't. I wasn't born here. Oh, you weren't born here. I was not born here. Where were you born? Uh, Long Island. Oh, really? You're one yeah, of them? Okay. Yeah, That's I am. A... Uh, my parents were weekenders. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're just. Re- oh, wow. We're so loud. We are. I'm yeah. going to turn this it's, down uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's it's an earlier version of what yeah what this is now. Oh, That's, everybody, everybody is born in Long Island and comes I'm out here. I'm pretty sure that my parents were one of the first weekenders in Bavina. Really? Wow. Yeah. Hmm. You know, it back then, you know, it was all farms. All those places were were working farms that are now second homes. And what everything was was these little vacation places. Mm. There was Sutsos Farm yeah. on uh, Pink, Street. Pink Street. There was a play Elms Farm on Culture yeah. Brook. So, there what was the gig? People came. It was supposed to be like back to the land holiday making. They came and stayed at working farms. Yeah, they. And they, that was the supplemental income to a lot. Farms, I, there were like yeah. four or five places in Bovina. It was before these farmers grew dope. It was uh, they right. made their money exactly. with uh, with mom cooking eggs and cleaning yeah. the sheets and then, then of course hunting was huge so a lot of hunters would come up and that was a lot of source of income for the farmers mm-hmm. back then. so wait so your parents came up i swear i'm like screaming here yeah. um uh, so your parents came up because they wanted like a like a back to the woodsy a, a weekend kinda, getaway and uh, they stayed at elms farm on, on colter brook and then my mom looked around and there happened to be a farm for sale and i'm pretty sure that that was one of the first farms that was broken up into different properties. Uh, Bill Inman 
it was which uh, farm is it? Where is it on Bovina Road? It's on Bovina Road. It's now Silver's, and it was it was subdivided. I'm pretty sure the first subdivision in Bovina in like 1966. Or so something. what the hell were they thinking? Why were they, so they're on Long Island doing what? Uh, they were both teachers, and they were like that. So is a hippie well, thing or? Well, uh, my mom had grown up in the Cooperstown area, so she she was an upstater, you know, and it had gone down. <clears throat> During the Depression, her her mom, who was a single mom, took her down to Brooklyn, where she grew up. And uh, my dad was born in Brooklyn. And it was really my mom dragged my... My dad had no interest in being in the country. You know, he was a city kid. And, yeah. Did he ever um, gain an interest in being there? Did he hate it he, that entire time? Oh, yeah. He, was, tr- he was tried he deer hunting. He, he got a rifle <laughs> and went out once. He's like, it's freezing out there. What am I doing? The rifle went in the closet. Then he joined the volunteer fire department. Oh, he's... And he got thrown out because he missed too many meetings. And, you know what? Yeah. History, history, I swear. Are you sure we're not too high? Um, history... Just, uh, I'm not so um, high at all. His, history just repeats I'm itself. Yeah. Because yeah. when I was trying to work out what, uh, you know, in that despair moment of finding yourself like, this is a horrible accident I can, now can't get out of or whatever, I thought the same things. I'm like, you know, engage. Yeah. Join the volunteer fire department. Be of right. some, you know, like get in there or whatever. And then they kicked him out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have this theory that, that men like your father and myself, uh, who are very successful in other forms of life, come up here to fail. And they, and they, want, and they fail really well. Like, you know, And every one of us, every one of us failures have a garage or a closet full of these very expensive uh, oh, rifles failings. and yeah, tents totally. and, like, uh, traps. Yeah. yeah. But so, so yeah. wait, so but he stopped, he he was teaching up here. No, no, he kept his job in Long Island. What? He commuted weekends. So my mom had you know five kids. All your childhood, it was that way. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, so he had the good gig. He was getting out. He was... right, and he would come up on the weekends, and so <laughs> and and my mom had to raise five kids alone oh, during man. the week. Yeah, and he would come up as like the savior. Like all the kids yeah. come yeah. charging out the door, running up the lawn, <laughs> hugging him, hanging all over him, and my mom's just shaking her head in disgust. You know, like she's the disciplinarian. Wow. You know? Yeah. She didn't. She did not make your dad beat the. <laughs> You know did what they, out of you? Did they no, no. Behaved? He would he would like pretend like oh you know I've it's got been a, a hard week. <laughs> I've got to spank you for what <laughs> your sister. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, what a good dad, man. Um, so uh, they stay together. Yeah, yeah. Wow, she must have resented him. I mean, like wow. I don't know. She really wanted to be up here. She was kind of a back to Lenny. You know, had a huge garden, would can a hundred quarts of tomatoes. You know, and then it in, they indulged my passion for agriculture, which I guess came just came out of being here. Yeah. Did you make that up? Yeah. I mean, I. Do you like it? Do you like? Yeah. You do. Yeah, you like I do. It? I, and uh, I, you know, I was a kid and I was living around other farm kids, and I wanted to have farm animals. I wanted to have chickens. I want it. So they, they indulged that and let me. Yeah, you know, we got a cow, so I would milk the cow. So we had milk in the house, and we would raise. Yeah, you know, we had chickens, we had pigs, you know, all that stuff. And so my mom, being the back door, it was like, oh well, this was all food that could come into the house. And, Were you uh, uh, among your peers or your your uh, your siblings uh, venerated because you brought food in? No, I, I think they. <laughs> um, you weren't given. No, they were resentful of. Uh, 
me maybe getting the attention oh, from you, from being the breadwinner. You were mom's favorite. Yeah. Did were you get you? attention? Were you mom's well, favorite? Well, you know, I, it was. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you know, and I was the oldest. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. are you the I'm oldest? The oldest. Yeah. yeah, so I was doing stuff that was you know yeah. that was real. Wait, wait. Yeah, so we know where John. Food. We know where John is. Yeah, he's what? the youngest. He's the youngest. Oh, yeah. that explains a lot. Yeah. So there's and right. there's three girls in between. And where are they? Um, one's in Portland, you Oregon. You don't have to talk about it. <laughs> one's, I think, in Florida no, somewhere. I think Julian's right. referring to the emotional but, state. But, of they, where but, are they? but they bolted. Yeah, they, they were like, we want yes, nothing else yeah, to do with yes. this. Second. Uh, right. Right. So the two boys came, uh, came back. Because, so this you doesn't, go, this right, isn't a long Julian. legacy. This Good is job. just you repeating your uh, the mistakes of your parents. Right. Wow. Right. Because you seem so dyed in the wool. Yeah, and when I, you know, but I left too. You know, I, I went to school around here at Oneana, but I, I hightailed it to New York City as soon as I got done with college. And I was there for, you know, a number of years. And as soon as I made a lot of, a little bit of money, I didn't want to buy an apartment in the city. I wanted to buy a house in Bovina. Were you coming back that whole time? Well, I wasn't for like a period of five years or so. Just five years. And then, but then I bought your house, the house <laughs> that you live in now. In 1991, I bought that, and that was my weekend house. So I was commuting back and forth to the city, working in the film business. What did you use the house for, aside from sleeping? Did you party? Was it a party house? Yeah, we had a band rehearsal in the nice. basement. And yeah. you know, did, all really? my friends would come yeah. up and... Yeah, they, they tried to pass a noise, noise ordinance in Bovina because of my band rehearsing. Is that right? Yeah. And um, so along with the music, and music is a big part of your life, there was the drinking and the acting out and all of the stuff that goes along with being that. you know full, full of years. Getting out of the city and coming up here, which I did for many years too, was um, it was necessary to just blow it off. And when, when we were young, of course, there was just unlimited energy, right? Right. And did you lose any friends because of the way that you partied? Uh, or did you just continue to make lots of friends? <laughs> um, yeah, I think friends come and go. And <laughs> <laughs> they do, yeah. Randy. So do wives. And uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. it just comes in and out. They have to come back again, though. Yeah. Have you noticed that about you? Like every time I break an mm. unbreakable gig, which I do like all the time, we've got to come around and find each other again because um, mm. because who else is there? Uh, you know, we got to. Right. So they do come and go, and then they come again. Yeah. That's and disturbing. then I guess they go again. Right. That's disturbing. That's, that's not wives. Like a... Wives, wives stay. Wives <laughs> go and then they stay. Gone. They tend to stay. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Like re. <laughs> Like going back, back around again. A lot Whoa, of people do that. Things. They get remarried. People who remarry yeah. their their things. Yeah, they, they just needed a little separation, that? and then they discovered that it's better to stay with the devil. You know. <laughs> well, there is some. Truth I think to that. that's the there truth. Some truth to, to that, tell yeah. you the truth, it's familiar, yeah. and that can forgive a lot of sins. Yeah, you're part of the glue, Dan. People stop by my farm and they they look at my vegetables and they shake their heads and they kick the dust around and they and they ask me if I've heard of where Dan Finn's farm is because they they want to go there for the real thing and you do you've got all the meat lockers and you've got the the syrup and you got the cheeses you're a diversified portfolio of local goodness and it's going to get even i mean you're going to be discovered and and then you're going to have to hide well actually there's something to that a little bit 
which is because uh, when we table on 10 or whatever, we used to do the same thing. What you've got <clears throat> over some of those other guys is you've got that Brigadoon thing going on where people feel if they've made it all the way to the corner of Huff yeah. and Bernie that yeah. they found. It's so true. Yeah. Dance it right off in there. the middle of nowhere. But, that, but that's a benefit. Absolutely. Because for all of those Instagramming, whatever, they're like, oh, my God, I found the real one. They didn't yeah. find the one along 28 or the one yeah. they found. And also you've kind of cultivated and contrived the whole gig to make people, you know, like Arnold comes out and they're like, <laughs> or whatever, you know. So you've got a whole gig going down where they're like, this isn't um, contrived. But it is a little bit contrived. It's not entirely. But there is an element of curiosity of it being slightly curated what's the i haven't noticed the contrived part in you <laughs> it just you are to be you are the is. most unfortunate <laughs> fan i've ever met it's all very true i mean i've, yeah, I've been i've seen you making real. syrup and i've seen you uh making cheese and i've seen you uh putting the meat in the freezer this and, and it's arnold all... the hired man is all too real <laughs> yeah, he's, he's so real <laughs> he is but he's a gentleman he is a gentleman he's happy to show anyone around oh him. man he's so real there was a time i don't know what i told you this i might have told you this we went over there and we were taking photographs it was me and inez or whatever we were taking photographs or something uh, you were supposed to be there and we went around the back and there was that chair that had tipped over where it's still got uh, Wellingtons on the front or something. So it looks like the guy just fell over and like died in the, in the chair. And then so we're taking photographs. We think it's all funny. And then we look inside the back sliding doors and we realize there's a human in there like asleep <laughs> the entire time. And what we've been doing, we're like. Oh my God! It's like a dead body inside. inside. Was it like, Arnold? He, yes, he it, only wakes up for milking. Inches away, <laughs> inches away from every piece of activity that we've been well, doing. That's, that's the measure of a pro when, when you can sit down in a big pile of uh, slowly rotting, uh, um, composting Human. manure and take your rest. Uh, well, that, that's the sign of a. Real well, and pro. also you're right about the uh, about the um, making syrup too. Because uniquely coming over to yours as opposed to going to other people's, and certainly the last time I was there when Tom Burns was there, Mm -hmm. you're like, whoa. I mean, it really, at that point, it really feels, with that (laughs) bunch of characters and all the cans of PBR or whatever, it feels... It feels like the real deal. There's a certain (laughs) non-commercialism. Yeah. yeah, Dan told me the other day with a gleam in his eye, and he he always gets this sort of jolly twinkle when he tells a, a, a an authentic story. Steve, I was I was talking to him about my cattle. He said, Steve, um, I had to go up to Tom Burns' place, and we had a, a dart gun, and that that's a gun that has uh, poison in it that puts bulls to sleep for a little bit and we had to run around the woods for half a day darting these these bulls and uh and then getting you know and you have to get them so that they're just two-legged kind of uh stable so that you can walk them into the back of the trailer and these were big wild bulls and it was tough and and we darted them and we had a few minutes and we had to guide them in and and it never quite worked well with this bull and it was kicking oh I remember I asked Dan this because I want to have a radio show where we talk about bulls that kill people. <laughs> and so Dan immediately comes up with this thing and proceeds to tell me, oh, the end of the story is we got the bull to the auctioneer in Unadilla, and he wrote us back and said, don't you ever, ever show up here again. Evidently, the bull completely <laughs> tore the entire, <laughs> this, this, the entire <laughs> sale that, barn, uh, was Larry? kicked apart. No, uh, <laughs> 
the, the auction house in Unadilla. Oh, up there, right, right, right. But the, these are stories that come from somebody that walks the walk. And, uh, and, and the stories that are told, if you want to sit down with us on the Evening Tickler and listen to stories from Dan the man you know what uh, i guess that's true i guess that is a critical difference between what you're doing certainly and what i'm doing i mean you've made a little bit more of an attempt but you, you've bit. only you put one foot but over. i'm a lily dipper right you didn't lily dip. you're actually you you are even though i don't view you as a delaware county dairy farmer because i know you from so many other versions or whatever that's actually exactly what you're doing yeah i don't think i became fully vested in this thing until I got milk cows. And it's yeah. because when you're a when you're a dairy farmer, it's seven days a week and it's twice a day and it's unrelenting. And yeah. it's like you you just it's give so yourself stupid. <laughs> I was forty eight when I started yeah. that. And you're and, now two hundred and seventy five. Cow years. <laughs> But, and, you know, but it, it really changes idiot. who you are. And I mean, even after one year, I went the whole I went the first year without anyone else milk touching the cows except me. So I milked 365 days because you straight. wanted it. You wanted it to be that way. I didn't have any other. Nobody choice. else I mean, wanted to. Touch no one it. would. I mean, there's no money. It's not like you could pay anyone. Yeah. And uh, so so that's twice a day. So it's 700 and whatever. 730 milkings in a row that's without ins- and Arnold my my now hired man he he came around a couple of times and said you need someone to help you and I was like I can't afford anyone to help right. you. Mm-hmm. and uh, he came around again he's like you really need someone to help you pay me a hundred dollars a week and give me a place to live and I'll I'll work for you and he's still mm-hmm. there he's still there we we doubled his pay to 200 a week <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh yeah I mean, and do he, you think you know, I, if I gave him two hundred and five dollars, he'd yeah, come work for me? I need. I need. Okay, okay, but that brings up a subject. So that's a good subject, like um, because that degree. I know other people who work that hard, but they work that hard because they're investment bankers and they're well, going to yeah, have forty because, million because dollars like, money at the end. Yeah. yeah, they're like, or at least the the plausibility of it, or something, or whatever, or yeah. some idea of a dream of being like is going to break. This is you doing it day in, day out, knowing how far it can go. Uh, you know, I, uh, all right, I grew up around dairy farms. I was enamored with it. I knew when I was a kid working on dairy farms that there was no no chance of making a living. No hope. It. Yeah, you know, I mean, and anyone who, you know, they said if you weren't born into it, if you're not being handed down a farm <laughs> with no debt, there's no way you'll ever make a living doing it. So I knew it was it was never going to happen. So I, I pursued other things. I went to college and whatever, and went to the city. But when I was back up here and I had bought this farm, and I originally bought that farm as a weekend place. Mm. And then it was like, well, I'll, I'll get some beef cows because that doesn't take a lot. And I, had a, I, I ended up moving up here full time and I had a construction business. And, but I was just, I, it nagged at me that here people used to make a living on a farm just like this that farm had had a you know provided for generations of families and i was i was yeah. obsessed with the idea like what can i do so i can at least you know pay the bills and and be on this piece of land and dairy was the only thing i could come up with well i really the idea was cheese 
but I needed cows. I needed to milk cows to, to do that. So I, I got a herd of cows and, but it was really this upsetting and it became like an art project. Like, right. can I do this project? And I, I knew that it probably was going to fail eventually, but, um, I just wanted to try it. I wanted to see what it was like, you know, see what these other people had gone through, all these people who had lost their farms. I wanted to, I kind of wanted to experience that and see what it was like. And, and that's why, you know, and so it was crazy and people told I was, told me I was crazy. And is the futility a, a, a critical part of it? No. It's. No, I yeah, don't mean because I think crazy. originally people did it because it was it was a good way. No, of I'm life, talking about for you, know? you because for you, yeah. When when they did it, that was woven into the fabric of a different time and a different understanding, and the world was different, and the expectations of the world were different, and right, they were like, right. hey, if because they at that time were saying, if I can support Bill and Bob and you know the five kids and the whatever else, and then they'll take it over, that's enough. But you were someone who I, went away, you played in bands, you knew what the world is, you... And also, an interesting thing about you, one more thing, so then you've got a whole list of things you can answer, is that you... It requires... It appears to require a kind of energy that doesn't require attention. You're down there, you're anonymous, you're in some dark corner, you're just getting up and... But you're an attention seeker too. You're in the front of a band and all of that kind of stuff or whatever. Right, right. So those things don't... Well... Uh, yeah, but I yeah, I had a musician friend that I played music with, and you know I said to him, you know, and and we're too old to be rock and rollers anymore. And I said to him, I go, this farming thing, it's like it's like being a friggin' rock star. You know, you're the organic rock star. You know, all these girls come, they every all these people are coming. They want to see the cows. They Not all see these the people, like 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 eight people a year. Yeah, but it was like. But they're really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, listening but, to Dan is very much like uh, uh, looking in a mirror because I, too, had the same idea that I would just take a hard swing at something that was uh, impossible. And I was told it would be impossible and delusional. But it was it was an idea that carried the day. And, and there wasn't an idea that it would fail. I didn't have that. Uh, I just wanted to have fun in seeing how far I could take it. Um, before it it turned into something that was no longer tenable. And, right, right. Yeah, but um, you guys are totally different animals. But we, but no, we're not. I don't think we oh, are. Oh, totally, Why do you, you are. We're... You're totally different animals. I, I mean, I could go into details. I mean, there's a few reasons. One is that you are. Uh, I mean, finances and everything do play into the whole storyline. Mm -hmm. So, to some degree, you're doing this because it uh, because you're. Because because it is an art project, uh -huh. it's an art project or a life project or whatever yeah. whatever it was at your point. Well, What's I didn't interesting? Bet, I didn't bet the farm, but neither did Dan. If if it had failed, he could have fallen back. No, no, I'm not just talking about betting the farm. I'm talking about the day to day activity of doing it. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, I what is interesting about looking <laughs> at you because I view you as a peer. Yeah. And hence, when I talk to you, I, I, yeah, I be, assume... Be afraid, Dan. Be very afraid. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like we both, No, I view you as a peer, whether it's music or going down to the city or whatever. There's nothing... I, I don't view you like talking to other dairy farmers who we could name, where they're like, right. well, I guess so, but I don't know what you mean. Kind of, You know? It's like, yeah. you get everything. You're like, yeah, me too, or whatever. And yet... When I drive by it every day, you're doing it in a way that you're not doing it. I mean, uh -huh. you... The, 
Well, that's the dairy farm aspect. I mean, the dairy farm thing is just you're covered in shit from four in the morning until seven thirty at night. You know, and it's just there. I mean, there there are breaks. It's it's not as dire as maybe you know, but it's it's it, vegetable intense. farming. It is intense. I mean. Yeah, you know, I don't know vegetable. I mean, I think vegetable farming is probably more intense for a certain period of the year. The dairy farming is the gruel year round, and there's no break. No. Those cows do not stop. There is no vacation. No. No. Well, Dan and I both have animals, and while I don't have a herd the way he does, um, uh, like Dan, I wake up and I have to feed the pigs and the cows and the chickens and make sure the water happens when the water isn't flowing, and so. Uh, there's all of that, and the prospect at the end of it isn't going to be as somebody that works this way in any profession where they're going to build up a large nest egg. At the end of the day, we know that we're going to be able to feed ourselves, and we will be seen as authentic enough so that young, beautiful women will come <laughs> by and look at us no, and say that. Say that. that we are their ideal. No. Maybe me more so than Dan. I don't buy that. When you, any... wave, when you wave kale, it does something <laughs> no. to the wiggle that a cow leg just doesn't do. <laughs> you know what? You said that. Cheese <laughs> does quite a bit. Does it? Does it? Uh, we need to compare notes. Maybe but, I'll trade you some kale but for I don't some be- cheese. <laughs> but I don't believe that. That's not... That, that, that's not a major motivation. The attention, the attention you're getting as a dairy farmer is not a major motivation. You're clearly able, because look, throughout, we've just been through the whole season that we think, that me, I think that was a horrible season. And all I had to do was get up and, uh, and try and relate to my computer. But or, there's you know. a whole other aspect to the dairy farm where, all right, if I was a typical dairy farmer that you see around Delaware County, they're just shipping their milk. You know, a tanker comes and takes it away. And they really mm. have no no interaction with the public, no need for interaction with the public. But I don't do that. I make cheese on the farm that I have to turn around and be the marketer of. And I also have meats, and I make maple syrup, and so I have this farm syrup. So for me, it is about interacting with the public, and it is a little bit of being on stage and being celebrated as a farmer, <laughs> you know, where a typical dairy farmer is is anonymous. Yeah. To their, you yeah. know, their food, they're completely unrelated to what's on the supermarket. Well, they, and not only that, they don't even know how to deal with any attention that they might get. You know, right. when we had, when Table on Ten started to knock on the doors of people and say, "Hey, you're kind of amazing. You're doing this," they were like, "Ooh," like they didn't right. even know right. what that what. And there's like a camera there is something or... appealing to that to be, you know, for me to be that isolated, but. It, you really can't make a look at it. I mean, at least the extra, the value-added stuff that I do do, you know, puts a little bit of money in my pocket, you know, so the the, the tanker coming, you know, maybe pays the bills, but the the farm store gives me some lunch money. And the ego know? side? And, and it fuels your ego, yeah. Is that also, like, because now, obviously, you're going to move away from being Brigadoon down the middle of where nobody knows where you are. And this is going to be a sea change because you're right in the middle of the destination village in, right. in the refurbishment of the old creamery. And so the PR is all big or whatever. Now you've kind of come out from being this mysterious kind of cool figure to being like kind of mainstream Catskills part of this wave. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and 
my now wife Shannon is I mean she's the poster child for that totally and you know and you know the legendary with an with a you know D-A-I-R-Y you know, oh, she's legendary. totally you know, the poster child because not only does she have all of the credibility and all the thing but she's cute too right so everybody was like oh my god this is exactly what we're looking yeah. for and in fact I can even step back a little bit from it hopefully and let her Take the yeah, baby, that's what we like <laughs> when we get the good-looking wife doing right. the work and bringing home the money. So wait, so what does that mean, though? So the so the moving into the... Well, maybe I'll be more in the creamery, and she can be more the face of the... But you're into it, yeah. I mean, I, the, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're developing different cheeses and different yogurts, so we're very excited. I mean, and we're not only very excited, but we have to do it. Especially her farm. Her farm's a conventional farm, and, and, you know, like what's in the news. I mean, these farms are just going out of business left and right. There is no future for any dairy farm that's not either growing to a, a factory size or turning their milk into products. No, we're seeing those stories. I mean, I think you post them, the, the like dairy farm suicide thing yeah, or whatever. Yeah, Seems to be a real thing at the moment. Yeah. Right, they they put suicide prevention notices in your milk check. They do, yeah, with the conventional farms. You know, it's like open that up. Here's your suicide. Don't prevention. kill yourself. <laughs> and now let's look at what you made. This no, month. but that's because it's Delaware County where there's still hope. There are other counties in New York State where in the milk check they just have a loaded uh, line of Glock nine millimeters, so <laughs> so that you can get it over with. That like kill Actually, yourself. That's that's their favorite. Just do it. You're listening to WIOX Community <laughs> Radio live and local in the Catskill Mountains at ninety one point three and on MPC Cable Channel twenty. Get us at WIOXradio.org or on the web on any smart device. You are listening to The Evening Tickler with Steve and Julian and Dan. And we are exploring the idea of how you turn legend into myth. Hi, this is Ray Pucci, host of Catskills Commerce on WIOX and president of the Delaware County Chamber of Commerce, a supporter of WIOX. Here to tell you about the Chamber's Job and Resource Fair, collaborating with the Business Association of Margaretville to connect local employers with recent high school and college graduates, as well as adults seeking jobs. Thursday afternoon, May 17th, from 4 to 7 p.m., at the new MTC office at 61 Academy Street in Margaretville. More information at 607-746-2281 or DelawareCounty.org. WIOX is supported by Frank Lumia Real Estate Plus, with more than 30 years sharing the four-season beauty of the Catskill Mountains, bringing buyers and sellers together, providing customized updates on land, home, and commercial properties with offices in Margaretville and Delhi. Frank Lumia Real Estate Plus. There's magic in our mountains. 607-746-6029 or franklumiarealestate.com. You don't ever get to a point where you become a myth by just being a legend. There's this tipping point, a bridge between the two of them. And it, and it doesn't happen by accident. It happens because you've done heroic things. And uh, heroic things are done because either you're really, really smart or you're really stupid and lucky. Um, farming, I think, for the most part, is a combination of both. You have to be really smart if you're going to make it go. And then if it's going to really go, you've got to be lucky. And uh, I, I haven't figured out where the luck comes into play. Um, 
because there are so many fashion things that go on that if you fit into it, then then you're going to get turned on. Wait, you know, the organic method uh, uh, thing, uh, the fact that we're in the epicenter of hipdom, you know, these are lucky things. Wait, right. didn't we just talk about the fact that luck, like what's amazing about dairy farming is that it, that it has no space for luck? Well, that's the difference between legend and myth. You can be a dairy farmer and make a commodity dollar uh, if you just do it right and have no luck at all. You just plod day in and day out. But if you're going to take it the next hike up, if you're going to turn a commodity into something that's packaged and get an uh, exponential amount more, okay, you can get a dollar for a cup of milk. You can get $10 if you turn that cup of milk into cheese, okay? You can get $100 if you turn that cheese into I get an the experience, idea. right? I, I, and what Dan and Shannon, I believe, have done that turns them into the sort of mythology everybody's looking for up here in the mountains is that they're very cleverly turning it all into an experience. No, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. And I mean, one of the interesting things about Shannon is I had always assumed because she'd made that leap. The cowbella to me seems to, uh, from my perspective, feels like a brand. It is. Yeah. yeah. Right. So right. it's got, it's gone past that, st that experimental stage where you're like, can I make some cheese out of this? Or can I, how can yeah, I, to, to absolutely. something where you're like, hey, I know how to do this, and I'm turning loads of it over, and it's in supermarkets and all of that. Right, and that was one of the reasons why when I met Shannon and we realized <laughs> you that... Immediately you immediately know, grabbed hold of her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only way we're going to make that creamery work is what, with however, Shannon. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is, I hope you're listening, Shannon. Such a lame excuse <laughs> for grabbing hold of you, but whatever it took, we're very proud of the two of you for grabbing hold of each other. Uh, but you did it. You, after putting in all of the work and learning how to be the commodity dairy guy, and, and Shannon did the same thing. She came from off, marketing, successful person, came back, saved the farm by changing the rules and, and, and making yogurt um, out of the milk. The two of you, after your labors and your life, decided maybe late at night that you could take it to a level that nobody else around here is doing it. Those conversations must have been fascinating. Yeah, so what is that? Yeah. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, Shannon, you know, we met as two dairy farmers who were making products. I was a cheesemaker. She's a yogurt maker and butter maker. And, and she had problems with her plant that she was hoping that I could help solve, namely taking skim milk that that was a something that was a that she couldn't make use of and, she, and that maybe I could make cheese from it. Because she'd already taken the stuff that she needed for the yogurt, so she was left right. with a by butter. Right. And it was mostly the butter because the butter took all the cream and all was left with skim milk. And she, she you know, untold people would order her butter, but she couldn't get rid of the skim milk. So it was just that's where our collaboration came from. It was like, well, could I make Parmesan cheese or something that could be a part <coughs> skim and and make use of it? So that's where our brainstorming started. And I was trying to make that cheese in my little cheese factory on the farm. And uh, then when this creamy thing came up, we were like, well, you know, maybe we can do this and maybe we can turn all of our milk into product and maybe we can change the yogurt, make the yogurt. Um, instead of a, a skim milk yogurt, make it a, a 2% fat yogurt, strain it, you know, do the things that people now, they're embracing fat more, mm -hmm. you know. 
their model was kind of based on that that eighties no fat yogurt yeah. stuff, which is you know it's just yeah, not as proven popular. To be. Yeah, we don't look for that anymore. Right. So you know, so that's where the bovina thing, the the creamery started from, and then we started looking at equipment. Like, okay, here are all, all our labor problems too, and here's how hard it is to do it in her plant. So okay, we need equipment that's automated. So we started looking for. You know, it's not huge equipment, but small equipment that was more automated that could actually fill the yogurt cups and seal them without a human hands yeah, doing that, yeah. you know, things like that. So, you know, that's what we're moving toward. And, um, you know, the problem with uh, turning all your milk into product, product is that you end up with an enormous amount of product. So, you know, we we then have to think about, all right, how do we sell it? Yeah. And, yeah, it's like 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 we're making six ounce yogurts. We're gonna be making six ounce yogurts. Six thousand four hundred a week. Wow. We have to sell. So wow, six thousand four hundred. You know, so it's 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 daunting. So then it's supermarkets and whatever. That's why I see in price drop or whatever. Yeah. Right. And and that was the other great thing about Shannon's that she already had those inroads into the price choppers in Hannaford's with with her, her non fat yogurt. So we're hopeful, and and they've been very excited about what we're going going to bring to them. But we haven't brought it to them yet because we're not making it yet. You know, we we make batches at home and put it in mason jars and bring it to the dairy manager of Price Chopper, <laughs> and he's like, mm, and delicious, he's like, tastes great. Come back when you have packaging, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> when, right. You, when you've got a million units ready to ship. Yeah, you have been on the on the road now for a good year anyway in in all of the rules and regulations that uh will in packaging and uh that that take these products to market the question that i want to ask you dan and shannon uh if we'll put yeah, you where right is here she, in, yeah, she uh, must be in the yeah, what <laughs> if you knew then what you know now would you have walked this path um I don't know. Because you know, it's daunting. It's, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it is. And, you know, it started off as a little art project with my dairy thing. And, and risking, you know, yeah. I, I took out a home equity loan to buy my herd of cows and buy the hay equipment I needed. And, you know, that's one thing to risk. But now, you know, I'm, I'm risking the farm. I'm risking homelessness, basically, yeah, yeah. you know, if this thing doesn't yeah, work. Both of you. Yeah, both of us. You know, yeah. both farms are on the hook for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so what, that's an interesting point about when your dream of having a game that you're playing, uh, because you want to see how you can fit into it, becomes less of a game and more of a proposition that follows a set of rules where there are consequences. Did did you know that you would get yourself into the deep water? Um, I. I didn't, and it yeah, it feels yeah. like we keep getting deeper. And yeah, deeper. yeah, that's the one. And I just think we we don't really have a choice but to go forward. You know, it, it's a hail mary pass at this point. And but also, I'm okay if I end up with nothing yeah. again and start yeah. over, or not even start over. You know, Is just, she? Well, she's resigned. I mean, we've talked about options. Have you asked we, we've talked about moving to Vermont. You're a disaster. She would maybe become I'm sorry, a doula. Shannon. Maybe what I would tough. work for some cheesemaker up there. We live in Burlington. Yeah, we've talked about yeah. right. the options. Yeah, the, but the thing the, is, right, you, thickened, you thickened the yogurt by having a kid. 
yeah. as well. Yeah. And that's that makes it all the better. Man, that's... But the fact <laughs> is that while there is a Hail Mary going on and you are in the deep water, you've got right right in another hundred yards out there is a barge full of people that are saying, yes, come it's to get here. And yeah. these, and these yeah. are all of the people that have said, when the product's ready, we're going to take it on. No, it's more so it's not, you know, it's not like you are out there in the ocean after the ship has sunk, uh, wondering how long you're going to be able to tread water. You have a, you will likely get to that point and things. Will I, be I think so. I mean, I think, People have liked everything we have put out. It's good food stuff. wise so far. So yeah, and it's like I'm really thinking if we, you know, it's just it's just there's a lot of dirt, dirty politics in the food business, yeah. and um, so you don't know, you know, like shelf space on Supermarket. You don't know what. Yeah, yeah. You know, like like for example, I ship milk to Horizon Organic, and they got wind of what I was doing. Now this is a nationwide company. And they dropped my contract, be, you know. Because, because you were going it alone. Because I'm going to put bottled organic milk on the shelves. It's right. like, oh, yeah, well, <coughs> yeah. we're cutting you off. Yeah. You know, so, like, I couldn't ease into this business. Yeah. You know, so it's like, and it's understand. I completely understand, but it's like they play hardball. There's yeah. no little, you know, some guy has represented a hundredth of a percent of their market. Yeah, I mean, what do they care? I mean, you know, they can't have that because right. it could be. But it's the beginning of the role. Right, right. Right. So they don't want farms making their own product. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, so there's those little things. Yeah. And, but, you know, I mean, we've talked about it, <clears throat> the other. The, uh, we talked about it in terms of product and shelf space and all that kind of stuff and having a good product. But you have another thing that is going to be, to me, that's going to be the difference between uh, success and failure. Which is that moving into is that you've almost got this um, tourism PR thing going on, yeah. which is by moving right into that space that was the creamery in the destination village where everybody is saying, "What's next?" Right, you, and putting the milk cows right there. Right, you it. crystallize the brand not by not by saying like, "Do you want to eat this cheese? It tastes nice." You've stopped being invisible, and everything that comes out of that kind of glowing storyline comes out with some of the glow. Of, of it being from the Bovina Creamery and all of that. It's true. So that's I mean, what's going to be There's it. a lot of people that will come through Bovina Center, but I keep coming back to, but it's 6,400 yogurts a week. There's not that many people visiting Bovina. It's not the know? visiting thing. It's the it's the iconic thing. I mean, if the PR thing, and I don't know what, how that works out or whatever, but the PR thing obviously spreads way beyond the 64. Yeah, fear not, Dan, because what happens is for those people that go through Bovina and touch the Bovina Valley Farm experience yeah. and they go back home and they tell their friends and their family, we have just been and we've seen and we're believers and taste this. This, this is what their backyard looks like in your mouth. And then their friends are going to go to the supermarket and they're going right. to ask, why, why is there not this six ounce yogurt here? Uh, I want it. You, of course, know that all you have to do is wait for your disciples to go out there and spread the word. It, it'll take a year or two. That, but it, uh, Julian's spot on, and, and the guy is you know, the best marketer in the world. He recognizes that what you have is a platform where the drama will happen. Oh, totally. Nobody else has the, the full drama. The full Monty is happening. You've put that together, and that will basically be what allows you to get out of the water, okay, the deep water, be on that barge, 
with the tubas playing and the people in the lederhosen cracking the whip and the large tubs of beer, uh, steins, the whole thing's going to happen, right? Yes. No, but it is true that, um, that, you know, it's great that you're putting all the effort into the product because if the product sucks at the end of the day, but, but the unique mm. thing, the story of what that place is, what it was, what Bavina is, where Bavina is right on this cusp of, I mean, it really is on a fault line of something, even and, though I find it disagreeable. Right. It is. And wait till the cows get out and start running up and down Main Street. But, man, you gotta, yeah. but you gotta, <laughs> can't wait. But, man, you got to find a way to tell that story. Yeah. I mean. And the, and the idea that uh, maybe you will be able to, when you're having your breakfast, have your child pull out a cow hair from the yogurt and say, Mommy, what's this? And, and you can tell the magical story. It's one of Dad's pubes. Of, uh, organic. How are those pubes, Dad? Are they still around? Cow, did you say cow pubes? Are they like the same? As, oh, it's the same thing? No, they're it's not curly. Right. They're just they're straight. Um, but... Uh, we all, I mean, everybody that's, it's very, it's a very interesting thing. People that look in on you and see what the product is right now and where it could go, all just see this rosy, beautiful horizon, okay? And they, they see none of the realities of how the hard work that goes into it from getting up in the morning and milking to going out and making hay um, to dealing with all of the moving parts that go into just getting the product up and then beyond that, making the product and selling it and packaging and dealing with regulatory and all of the other things that happen when you have an ongoing piece of business. This is the thing about farming that has totally disillusioned me. It's not building the business. That's fun and exciting, and it's part of that dream cycle that you and I got into it on. It's the maintenance, because in in the maintenance of something, that's where the real pro comes out, because everything's always breaking. All of the unpredictables are always happening, and and you're always farm hacking, and it's not just keeping up the energy, but there's an attitude there. You know, you, you cannot do 750 milkings a year without a certain attitude. And you and Shannon evidently have that bone in you, right? If if you didn't, then the, none of this stuff uh, would have gotten to this point and we'll get there. And I don't know too many people that really understand that. If they did, they wouldn't complain about what anything costs. They would be True. grateful. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, yeah the but- cost of food is a major aspect of the whole thing. You know, what it costs to produce real food for, um, you know, in, the, in these factory farms and how they they alter the scale and how we have to live in that scale of what these factory farms are able to do and dumb down all the food and... Uh, Yes. You know, and, and we wouldn't exist if there weren't people, consumers who look beyond that, who want real food. <laughs> yeah, but they need money. They do. It, it's it's really unfortunate. You know, there there have been people, um, some some local congressmen who wanted to. T- you know, there's a lot of talk about getting real food into urban areas, and it's and every time they start talking about that and they want to have summits and talk about that, it's like. But yeah, they, but the but they money, don't have the money. It doesn't translate. You no, know? the only reason that your product can be sold at Table on Ten or at Brushland or whatever <coughs> is because rich people eat there. Right. 
I mean, exactly. we can take your product and then add. So, you know, if, if you're going to add. Wasn't, if I wasn't farming, I wouldn't be eating <coughs> no. as well as I do. Right. You couldn't. So You'd have to eat from BJ's. Right. Of course. Yeah. I and mean, trying to make people understand when people turned up at Total on 10 and they're like, really? $15 for a pizza or whatever? You're like, well, if you're using real food right. and you're making any markup at all, yeah. that's what it's going to have to be. Yeah. But they, they're able to go to Price Chopper. I mean, I had that even with city people with a chicken pot pie where they're like, you know, your chicken pot pie is 15 bucks. Right. And they're like, I can go to Price Chopper and I can get a chicken pot pie for like eight, five, six bucks yeah. or whatever. Like, There's a frozen pizza there for $4. Yeah, justify that to me or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, well, I can't. I'm using stuff. <laughs> you know, but the people... But also eat it, you know, cook both side by side and eat them. And there's such a difference. Well, I can, you know what? That's really hard to say. That's really, uh, that's, I think that's not an argument you can put forward because they're like, I'm full. I'm like, whatever. You know, I mean, that's tough because then you start getting into this effete quality issue where they're like, don't you taste how the chicken has a different mouthfeel? <laughs> and they're like, no, you know, and nor do I probably or whatever. Yeah. But there's another thing going on the point is you've got to have some money to waste or to perceive as wasting on it's know, like julia one. doesn't go to those places or whatever because she's like i don't have enough money yeah yeah it's a tough one uh you know michael pollan writes a lot about that dilemma where only rich people can afford real food of course and and it's true uh to do that not only do you have to be smart but you have to have money and then you have to have a place where you can get it and even Rich people that know about it sometimes are in a position where they can't have access to it. But the point is, more and more people are getting smarter, and more and more people do have the money and realize that the extra 10% of their income that they spend on food will save them from diabetic, cancerous, and other medical issues. You know, the, the old cliche, pay the farmer, pay the doctor. Uh, people are starting to practice that. I don't think they're thinking that. I do. More and more people are. It's not for everybody. And, yeah. and that's the sell that a farmer like me, if I really cared. And, and what I do, when, I, when people say your tomatoes are expensive, and they're the, they're the price of price chopper tomatoes, but they want, they want to see the organic yeah. farmer being the gouger, pricey, yeah, do, stupid yeah. guy. And yeah. so they, see, they put that on it. It's fascinating. Yeah. And I will tell them that, you know, for those people, maybe they're never going to be changed. But for those that do look for organic, really good food, they know the difference. And they're going to come and find it out. I think that if you stay the course and the experience continues to be good, word spreads organically and more and more people come. I've seen that even in our stupid little farm stand, that every year more and more people come happy to have found it and happy to see what's in it. Oh, no, I think you've got a way better chance I, than that. I agree that it grows exponentially, but I really don't see it growing locally. I mean, no, no. You no, know, I had, I had a tenant locally, sure. in, in the trailer right next to my farm store who lived there for nine years and with his family. They never once in nine years stepped in that farm store. Yeah. It was the dollar store, man. And, and Pringles. I, I even offered them, yeah. you know, like, help yourself to milk out of the bulk tank. What yeah. are you kidding? It's not pasteurized. I'm not drinking that. <laughs> okay, suit yourself. Yeah, but I think, well, I know, I think you put your finger on it. Like, locally, that's not going to happen. But you do, and this is a much longer conversation, we should do another one. You know, with that creamery, I'm repeating myself, but the way that that 
little entity crystallizes a lot of different forces that are coming together at the same time. And if the story can get out and the story is bigger than the sum of its parts or whatever, everybody's looking for an iconic in the same way as I know you guys went and researched certain places in, in Vermont. Right. And you were like, how did these guys become like the one? Like, you know, like the legendary one. There always has to be one. Right. And Bavina right now is in that place where, like, by reopening that creamery and retelling that story, if the story's told right, could be... Uh, even though I'm sure you can identify a hundred around the country that are doing the same yeah. thing, that really could be the one where everybody's like, you know what, let's go with these guys' product. That's true. And, you know, and the, and the other thing is that, especially with the yogurt, because we have the 6,400 a week, you know, I definitely go into the supermarkets and I look at what Chobani and the big boys are selling their yogurts for. Maybe not on sale for 10 for $10, but... You know, what their normal price is. And I was like, well, we have to figure out, we have to match that. And we can. You know, we, mm-hmm. we can compete with Chobani. Mm-hmm. And so it really comes down to, you know, it's not like we're asking people to pay double for no. that yogurt. We're just asking, you know, we're just selling that local story, you know, selling the whole story. Um, you know, if, if we're in mm-hmm. Albany, our story doesn't really resonate that much. It's really just about, you know, okay, do, here's a local farm. No, but it know. could do. Yeah. If you became a little bit legendary, right, right, you could expand that circle of people being like, oh, I always get it from here. Legendary. Legendary. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, don't do that. Uh, oh, God. Oh, you know, break Shannon's no. heart. So she came up yeah. with that one. No, you can't do that. How about our yogurt? Oh, no, Steve, <laughs> I feel it coming. Oh. <laughs> our cows are fed with water as pure and clear as a 15-year-old's libido. Um, oh. We use that. We talked about that last week. But there, uh, there are beguiling things in front of you that will sit on top of the hard work that late at night around a few beers uh, you'll kick around. And, and, and they, will, they will allow you to package and promote your product in ways that will make people pay three or four times what they normally would. Right. And maybe the line is quality has its price. Uh, <laughs> it's, but it's true. Sure, let me write that down. In, in one to... form or another... That wins the day. The old cliches, all you have to do is add new energy to the old cliches. No, Quality no, no. Quality does think, have its price. I think you've got it. Like, if there's some way that you can make people feel like they belong to your story, you know, it's the, it's the opposite of everything we're talking about. Like, all the marketing techniques that, have been, that are used to sell things are all rubbish or whatever. But the thing of making people feel like they're on board with your journey of this weird, it's the opposite thing. It's like going gonzo with it. It's not actually well, that's finding. True. That's a good point. It's the thing of Listen being to a, Julian. The kind of ragged, like, oh, my time. God, you're on this thing with us or whatever. That would be amazing. Yeah. But that's a longer conversation. But we could talk about it. All right. <laughs> yeah, Next right. week. <laughs> so give us some advice, Dan. You've given me a lot of good get advice. Get bigger, get out. Get bigger, get out. The Cornell people told all the dairy farmers in Delaware County, get bigger, get out. And they did get big, and they, then they all went. And now they're out. And they're out. Um, Is that what they said? Yeah. They said, that's a true well, thing. Well, that, that was uh, – it, it started Scale. with the Secretary of Agriculture in the 70s 
you know, they, they wanted to move everything toward corporate agriculture right. in the 70s. They started. And it's been a long journey. But it's really coming to fruition now where, you know, the small guys, it's all factories. And, and they're, they're beating down these small guys who, who milk 100 cows or less. Yeah, uh, when, they don't want to send trucks to pick up their milk. They're coming up with excuses. You know, it, it's bad. It's tragic. It, it's all going corporate. And, and these small farmers are competing with, these are uh, 7,000, I mean, there are herds of thousands of cows that are being but processed. It's so, and, but it's so weird that it's going corporate because in the eyes of the, of, of, of the consumer, we're all like, oh, agriculture is all returning back to like a right. man and with five cows or whatever. it's going the opposite way. But these right. farms, they put a little picture of a yeah. of a red barn with a silo. <laughs> yeah. and, but meanwhile, and they're milking 10,000 like yeah, cows yeah. on dirt lots in Texas. Yeah. And it's crazy. That's organic it's, too, yeah? Yeah, and they're calling it organic. Extraordinary. And they're paying off, well, well, we, we assume are. they're paying off the inspectors because right. there's no way 10,000 cows are and on also, grass. And, and also me yeah. and Julia are, are going into, like, uh, the store and paying an extra three bucks and, like, feeling good about ourselves yeah, for uh, the organic whatever. Yeah. What a it's bunch of sad suckers. sad and huh? tragic. But we don't know what to do. We don't yeah. know whether to, we should do the other thing. Buy Cowbella. <laughs> Buy Cowbella. You know, for once, the, uh, the Evening Tickler has uh, touched on and Real explored. information. Real information. This is a, uh, a real man who does real work with a real wife who brings home all of the money so that Dan can sit on the radio and drink bourbon. Yeah, what's she doing? <laughs> She's watching the six-month-old at the moment. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's good. It's been such a pleasure, it's been uh, a pleasure spending the hour with fun. you, Dan. And Julian. You you truly were on top of your game tonight. You look good. Your personal hygiene is terrific. Your I did take a shower this morning, and uh, <clears throat> and the drinks were fabulous. I, I told you we got to do this every week. <clears throat> they the uh, wine is not doing it. Yeah. Uh, and with that, there is nothing that will save you from anything other than coming back next week with carrots and gravy. Oh, and cabbage as an additional green. I said, that looks fantastic, love, and I tucked in hungrily. My daughter Karen did not, something I wish I had seen. For soon my plate was empty, I said, Mary, is there any more? She said, no, love, but it's treacle sponge for afters. And I said, Fwah! I'd had a couple of mouthfuls when I heard Karen declare. I can't eat any more of this shepherd's pie, Mum. Well, it filled me with despair. Because if I'd known that, I wouldn't have started my sweets. But I can't go back to savoury now. That shepherd's pie was stunning, but I'm halfway through me pudding. I can't go back to savoury now. Taste buds would go crazy And I can't go back to savoury now Cos you can't, can you? My tummy was in turmoil I was panicked and confused And as Karen's dinner grew colder So did my sweet For my pleasure in that treacle sponge Was now massively reduced 
by the sight of fluffy potato and glistening meat. Take this plate from me, oh Lord, before I go insane. Should I press on with me afters or go back to me main? Oh, I can't go back to savory now. That shepherd's pie was stunning, but I'm halfway through me pudding. I can't go back to savory now. Oh, no, my taste buds would go crazy.